Hello and welcome to the Game Development Podcast by Dark Paradigm Games. We are making a series of podcasts on important game development topics that we think will be useful for you. We've learned a lot from starting up an indie game development studio, so stay tuned for the whole series to learn from our success and mistakes. I'm your host Jacqueline Martin, creative director and co-founder of Dark Paradigm Games. And I'm joined by Edwin Deiser, our community manager and sound designer. Hello, thank you for joining us. So after last month's podcast about options for funding your game and perhaps how to find some funding for your game, today we'll be talking about the specifics of making a crowdfunding campaign for your game. Uh, we're getting much more into the nuts and bolts of just what makes a good crowdfunding campaign. Um, I think the, the most important point to make straight away is, and this is maybe disappointing, but there <laughs> is no perfect formula for this. If there was, it would immediately start to look cliche. Everybody would be doing it and it wouldn't work anymore. Um, what do you think about that, Jackie? Wow. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good point you do right away. And um, I'm pretty excited to get into this topic of how should you go about making a crowd com uh, crowdfunding campaign because we are about to launch ours or we are looking to launch a crowdfunding campaign and that's naturally why we do more research on it and there are so many things I've learned <laughs> and partly I feel the more you learn about it the less you know because indeed there is no such perfect formula as you're saying and from what I've gathered, it's a lot of selling the personality of who created this game or this product you're crowdfunding for and what the personality of the game itself is. You know, like, it, it may sound a little cliche, but I feel it all it revolves around uh, how much love you pour into your project and how much that shows. And by analyzing a lot of projects that worked and that didn't work you, you can see like on very first glance that for some project where it didn't work something is missing and yeah it, it almost feels like it's the law for attention like that just the attention for detail yeah that's really true and i think that actually relates to what crowdfunding is we talked at length about that in the last podcast But just bear in mind, people don't want to see corporate products or games that they've seen a lot before on crowdfunding. The whole point of it is it's an alternative way of raising funds. So if you could have gotten your funds in a traditional route, or if your game or product looks very traditional or very uh, business-like, I suppose, it's less likely to appeal to the type of people who actually want to take part in crowdfunding. It's all about mm -hmm. supporting the underdog, uh, backing a project that just shows real passion behind it. And for that, your product, your game, needs to have personality. And it also it needs to be made by people, not a company in many ways. So you want to show that personality, you want to show your faces, you want to have this personal tone and mood on that Kickstarter page. I think that that could well be the most important thing here. 
Yeah, I, I could not agree more with what you said because what I've noticed throughout all the or most of the campaigns is that even like that if the quality wasn't the best, that didn't matter almost if there was a face that was explaining why or what the thought behind everything is. So you do not need the best quality, but you do need to show kind of who you are or what you're doing or what your intentions are. Of course, there are games that feel already so highly produced that they can just put a game trailer on top uh, of their crowdfunding campaign and then that is already the big selling point. But if you don't have that, then I think you need to show your face. You need to show who you are and why people should trust you. And I think you you need to really explain why people should trust you with their money yeah and the the trust aspect is really important as well again by having a personal tone and being personally present throughout that uh crowdfunding campaign page you're really building trust it's much easier i think to trust a face and a group of people than a product um, yeah i think yeah. it's also about accountability If, if you show a face with what you're doing, you're, you're making yourself more accountable yeah, in a way. Definitely. Um, which leads us to some pre-campaign strategies um, that we didn't cover last time. And I think one of the most important there is to just build up some social proof around your product and game. Mm-hmm. By social proof, I mean just... Get some likes on a Twitter page. Build up an Instagram <laughs> profile. This this stuff is all called social proof. Um, it's a basic psychological principle that the more somebody thinks other people like your thing, your product, the more that person, uh, the more likely that person is to then back your product themselves. So it's the kind mm. of uh, flock mentality. Uh, I don't mean that in an offensive way. It's probably uh, evolved for very good reason because it's it's like a safe behavior, and also it it's very difficult to research every product you buy in extreme depth. So in some ways, if you've seen that I don't know a thousand people have already backed or liked this product on a social media page or whatever, then that kind of does a bit of your research for you. It tells you. This is probably a good quality product. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I must say though, if um, I notice a page has a lot or a gaming page has a lot of likes, um, but not a lot of interactions, then I also assume that it's botted kind of, or that there are a lot of follow for follow things going on, which I think right now is very common in the indie dev community that you don't really have true followers that are really interested in your project. So I think that's also where you personally have to be very careful about the numbers that you know, okay, if I have, let's say, 3,000 followers, but let's maybe say 2,000 of them are follow for follow followers or, or whatnot, um, then these will not lead automatically into... Um, pledges or anything uh money related for your crowdfunding yeah 
Another uh, funny anecdote maybe is that I've already been on uh, a crowdfunding project that failed. Uh, I only freelanced for the project, but I had more of a like insight through it. And um, one of the um, maker or creator of the uh, crowdfund campaign had like 45,000 subscribers on YouTube. And he made a video, or she, that's <laughs> put names on it, but um, made a video on, on YouTube explaining uh, the campaign and trying to mobilize um, um, people that would fund the um, project. And what I found a little sad is, Even if you have that huge of an audience, it doesn't mean it's translating. It doesn't mean that at all. And that it's really important to also generate a hype around it and to, to know who you're marketing for. Yeah, I saw some interesting statistics for a couple of games that got funded using Kickstarter. And they were saying that approximately 50% of their backers came from within the website so if approximately 50 percent oh, of the so backers many. came literally from within kickstarter they may never have heard of the project before the other 50 that's though, more than i've expected actually yeah hmm. um i think it was actually 45 i'm rounding up but anyway um, <laughs> but it's still so much because yeah. what i've um found through research um which is still a little uh maybe even outdated um it's from 2017, I want to say, mm. or 2018, is that most of your crowdfunders or like backers, I want, uh, you, you get through bringing them on yourself. So that would be family, friends, followers. Um, and then you have like a very, very low amount of people that come through Kickstarter. I should mention that in the case of these uh, successful games, I, I'm afraid I've forgotten the name of them. They're both by the same studio. Um, both of those campaigns became one of Kickstarter's featured campaigns, basically because ah. the campaign itself was very, very well made. So take heed <laughs> of uh, our ideas, which, by the way, aren't perfect. Like we said, there's no formula for perfection. But uh, yeah, it's if your campaign is excellent, it gives you a much better chance of actually getting promoted way better within the Kickstarter website itself, uh, which is crucial, absolutely crucial yeah. if your game is in a crowded niche. Then again, I doubt there's much competition for uh, like a metal hat company. So <laughs> if somebody's looking for a metal hat, then maybe, maybe getting featured on Kickstarter is less important. Bear in mind the the data I'm using is very limited, so it's this is for <laughs> an extremely well crafted Kickstarter campaign that uh, got noticed by Kickstarter staff and then featured and mm. promoted within the website. So if that happens, yeah, you can expect a really good amount of traffic and backers to come from within the website. Uh, your earlier statistic was it about fifteen percent? Um, 
I don't know the exact numbers mm. anymore, but it was really not that high. Yeah. So I almost discarded it and was like, okay, yeah, you just need to bring the backers yourself and like mm. make them click, you know, like, hey, grandma, here, take the mouse. This is how you click. Yeah. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. but, um, <clears throat> not to be offensive here. That's an interesting point. Um, I've also freelanced on a game that didn't quite get its funding on Kickstarter. It was a very nice looking game, uh, Aftermath 1945, Hmm. Um, but it was hugely ambitious and it was trying to raise quite a lot. So it did well, but it didn't get its full funding. However, uh, it did build up quite a large community through its campaign. Um, So the people who did pledge, uh, most importantly, would now form a community that is willing to pay for a finished product. That that's, let's be honest, that's the best kind of community for your game. Yeah, people who will yeah, actually buy it in the end. <laughs> that's the best outcome almost. But I think for Indiegogo, for example, um, you have less of that high risk, high reward thing because uh, Kickstarter has okay, you just like only get if you're successful. Um, what people pledged or yeah you get nothing and for Indiegogo you don't have that and I think that's just well you have both options but just having the other option of just being able to take what you raised is just so huge I think it's just so much better so basically and we we discussed this earlier my conclusion was pretty much the opposite to Jackie's Uh, but based on similar (laughs) logic i guess so my thinking was uh, a number of games have two crowdfunding campaigns and sometimes they're on the same platform i think why not spread it across two different platforms to access two different markets because frankly if you've already had a campaign on kickstarter then the people who would back you have probably already seen it and the people who wouldn't back you have also probably already seen that campaign. So I don't see why you'd get a drastically different result the second time. Um, So if you are doing two campaigns, my conclusion is spread it across two platforms. Now the question is just which order. For me, um, (laughs) because Kickstarter needs you to reach a certain pledge, like Jackie was saying, it's, it's riskier, potentially. Which also means uh, if your project is, basically if it has a reasonably high chance of not succeeding or reaching that pledge, it's you're actually still going to get some money if you put your crowdfunder on Indiegogo. Um, you can then use the money you've raised on Indiegogo to publicize your Kickstarter campaign better. Uh, or put in more production value into your Kickstarter campaign. So some people will pay for a professional to make a good video for their product. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, we'll, we'll be talking more about the video later. A professionally made video just doesn't, it doesn't seem necessary. There's been some very highly backed games that did not have a professional video. For example, Abduction, the game, uh, that I think that was just made by the studio. And a lot of it is just a simple camera shot of the creators talking into the camera with some in-game footage. Um, Not professional, extremely low budget if it costs anything. I mean, it looks good. I'm not, that's not a criticism, Hmm. but yeah, you don't need to spend money on that. 
but it will help. The other thing is with your Indiegogo campaign, you could uh, spend money on putting adverts up on social media or wherever, frankly, you feel like advertising for your Kickstarter campaign. The irony being mm. that you're spending money to generate money. But um, yeah, but that, that is yeah. how marketing works to begin with, of that course. you're spending money to get money. But um, so uh, just to summarize what you said right now, you, you were basically coming from the side of first Indiegogo and then maybe Kickstarter. Yeah. Right. And my idea was actually the other way around because, but I think now that we're talking about it, maybe that just has to do with what your goal is maybe with going for crowdfunding. If your crowd, if your goal is to get more of a reach to maybe build more of a community, I think you have a bigger reach on Kickstarter just because I think there are more people that may potentially discover you. Uh, than on Indiegogo. Yeah. Um, and what I've seen is um, also that right now a project which is called Summer in Mara um, first went to Kickstarter, got there funded with 233,000 uh, euro. And then they made a second campaign on Indiegogo, which now is also around 400,000 and something. Wow. And um, they first went to Kickstarter and then they went to Indiegogo. Um, I was just analyzing this and, and trying to make sense of it. If this was just like, okay, is Indiegogo just more successful in you know what they do is that you can keep all the pledges you have made and all these things or if it's really about the discoverability that they first wanted to be discovered and that that is maybe easier to do on Kickstarter and once they discovered, once they have this community built already then they go to Indiegogo where they can make better use of this community they already have behind them because I think for, for crowdfunding it's really important that you have people that love your idea, that love your game, that really stand behind you. And then the platform, I think, almost doesn't matter. But if you don't have that, then I almost want to say that Kickstarter with a stronger brand pull is more important. But yeah. that's, again, where, where, we, where we would have to discuss this point now, what would be more important and what would maybe be more important to us than where we are right now. Well, I think that makes reasonably good sense. I think it also depends on your target pledge. So if you actually want to raise a large amount of money, but your game doesn't have massive traction among a huge fan base, then uh, perhaps Kickstarter is the way to get that initial interest and yeah, then take it to Indiegogo. Yeah, or if, if let's say you just want to, you just have a goal building uh, a community and you're okay with not earning or you're okay with, this high risk, high reward thing where it's maybe I I would rather have 100 new community members than <laughs> the, well, the money at the end. That's <laughs> debatable, but um, there's also something to keep in mind. Like, what's the goal? What's the true goal of this campaign? Is it to bring eyes on the project or, well, the true goal should obviously be to, to get the successful crowdfunding, but 
maybe secondary goal. Mm. One important and just very practical point is Kickstarter is not going to like you saying that part of the funds that you raise on your Kickstarter campaign will then go into an Indiegogo campaign. They will oh, definitely uh, not like that. But <laughs> Ironically, on Indiegogo, if you um, go on Indiegogo and, um, for example, for um, Summer and Mara, they say on the platform itself that um, the game already raised a certain amount of money but on a different platform. But they're not saying on which platform. And when you compare it with um, Kickstarter, then you know it's on Kickstarter. But what they say is um, with another platform, if I can quote this here. Um, so they do show yeah. they do show that. It's difficult to... Um, we're also going to talk about honesty, which is so important for your campaign. But it is difficult to be absolutely transparent about this uh, initial Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign about where that funding is going to go next when the platform itself doesn't let you or won't like you just honestly saying, yeah, the, a lot of this funding is going to now be spent on a crowdfunding campaign on a different platform. Um, that said, mm. I think it justifiably does fall under marketing or publicity, or just you could have a fundraising category without being more specific. Um, but that's uh, just something minor to bear in mind. And I certainly wouldn't explicitly mention, if you are going this route, that you will also be doing a campaign somewhere else. Um, for a secondary reason, that it um, completely renders useless any attempts to generate buzz around this first campaign. Uh, a lot of it's mm. based on a fear of missing out on a product, FOMO for short. And if somebody sees your campaign and thinks, oh, well, I'll have a chance to buy into it in a, another two, three months. Um, it's logical, to be honest, seeing as the game won't be made in two and three months to wait and see how the game is looking and then give your money to the second campaign. So mm -hmm. I, I probably wouldn't mention a second campaign in definite terms oh no no I, i would definitely not mention that um not because of dishonesty but because i think it's just good to plan for the first and then see if there's even you know if you get people hooked and if you don't get people hooked then i i just think that's just it if people don't love your project then then you really have to figure out why <laughs> If it's maybe too niche, for example. Um, another interesting thing about Indiegogo is though that you can get a, a certain percentage off on pledges. So um, that maybe the original pledge would be 35 euros and then there's like a 17% off thing and then it's only 29. And that I've not seen on Kickstarter yet. Well, how, does, um, how does that system work? I don't entirely know how it works, but I've seen it uh, on, on a few projects that there is such a discount system going on on Indiegogo, which is not the case on Kickstarter. Like they give a discount um, on certain rewards tiers the closer they get to completing their project, something like that. I don't know. Um, it's just shown as a flat out um, discount. 
Maybe in this case, it's just because they earn more than they were expecting already. So they were comfortable with giving a discount. I don't know that. Or they want to sell um, more of that tier, I suppose. Yeah. Um, another point that I found interesting is that for Kickstarter, there are uh, more analyst um, websites already out there. For example, KickTrack, which is written kick and T-R-A-Q uh, .com, uh, which is basically an archive uh, which goes a little more in-depth around the statistics and the trending uh, campaign will have and um, if it's likely to be successful. And I've not found such a thing for Indiegogo yet. Yeah, I will do keep my eyes peeled though. Kickstarter is better researched in general. And that's why yeah. most of my statistics are coming from Kickstarter. It just seems to be a better research platform. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's better. It's just uh, an important thing to bear in mind. Most of what I'm saying is the case for Kickstarter, yeah. and it may or may not translate well to Indiegogo. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. What What I've also noticed is that inside of Kickstarter, you can find the numbers more easily because. Um, When I went, for example, and searched uh, for some stats for mobile games on Kickstarter, I already found out that there were a total of 3,348 mobile games that uh, started a campaign on Kickstarter. For Indiegogo, you don't even have the category mobile games. And that out of these 3,000 mobile games, 331 were financed. And then you can even sort through how much their goal or their their financing goal was. And like from these 331, most of them have been between uh, 1,000 and uh, 10,000 um, US dollars. And that I've also not like seen so far on uh, Indiegogo yet, which... I think just helps so much in just researching what works or what amount works. But then again, maybe you don't really need that all that much on Indiegogo because it's not so important if you reach that goal because you you can go for that less riskier version. Um, yeah. Of just funding, yeah. But that is a really nifty feature of Kickstarter and that also brings us to research which, like I was saying, unfortunately is just much easier for Kickstarter. So in, in their search, it's quite advanced. You can specify, this is interesting to us, mobile games, like Jackie said. Um, you can sort them by the most funded projects. You can specify whether they're live, as in happening now, or whether they're completed. I would say for your own research, it's most useful to look up completed projects, successful projects that are like your game. So you'd look up, yeah. show me successful projects in games on Earth. I'm not sure the geographical aspects are so important with a with a digital product because you can send it to anybody in the planet and anybody in the planet can buy it easily. And I would then sort it by the most funded um, of those and just take a good look at those campaigns, see what's going on, try to find the ones that are most similar to your game and don't copy it, but... Uh, take note of the details. We'll be trying to draw your attention to some of what seem like the most important details to pay close attention to. Um, but 
this also comes down to finding a niche on whatever crowdfunding platform you are looking for funding on. Wait for your crowdfunder if there is a game that is very similar to yours that is currently doing well on crowdfunding. You 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 don't have space to be competing with a direct competitor. Uh, it's crowdfunding is quite crowded and competitive, so leave some space between these projects. Mm. Make sure, mm. like yeah, you're not. We're not competing with uh, Degen's Fasters, which finishes <laughs> two days before our game, Legion's Masters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. What I found also interesting is the length and best time for a crowdfund campaign, uh, which seems to be at the big be like start the beginning of the month and end at the beginning of the month because then people have more money in their pockets, which is um, correlating with the campaign in itself because usually you will get more pledges towards the beginning of your campaign and towards the end of your campaign. So that's just like something to keep in mind. And also good days are for start from Monday and Tuesday and the end of the campaign more geared towards Thursday and Friday. Um, this is just what my research has shown. But I guess yeah. then also yeah. ideal length would be 30 to uh, 35 days. Um, I wonder if the Monday, Tuesday thing is simply because more successful games are more likely to have come from a professional nine to five studio which would have nine to five hours monday to friday so they're more likely to launch the campaign just at the start of the work mm. week um yeah okay then let's maybe start talking about the pledge amount um edwin do you want to maybe chip in and say something yeah about that so uh on kickstarter they refer to it as the target pledge and like we've said your mm -hmm. game needs to reach that amount or more in order to take the money that has been given to you by the backers. On Indiegogo, you don't need to reach it, but you still have a, uh, I don't know if they call it target pledge. I think they do. Uh, you still need to have one, even if it doesn't matter as much. So for Kickstarter, um, I brought up a statistic and it's a bit out of date, but most um, <laughs> successful games... Uh, oh, here it is. The average successful pledge in, I think, 2012, so this is out of date, but anyway, the average successful Oof. pledge was $5,487. The average unsuccessful pledge was $16,635. Those were the best hard statistics I could find about just success rates and pledges for games. And that is hmm. a statistic for games. Um, but a lot of people have said that the lower your pledge within certain parameters, the more likely your game is to meet its pledge amount, which uh, I think that's just fairly logical. Um, but Jackie and I yeah. were talking about the effect of having a very low pledge earlier. Yeah, because I find it very interesting. Let's say you have a really, really low pledge we say 200 and you just want to have this marketing boost of oh this project got funded through kickstarter and you just have all your team pay the 200 uh, euros <laughs> um, i mean you would at least be able to say hey we got funded yeah. um hmm. <laughs> uh, it's all about then you could still go to indiegogo and, uh, <laughs> 
I mean, it, it's probably a little misleading then, but uh, hey, you got that almost free publicity. I mean, because Kickstarter also like deducts some percentage of what you earn and such, but yeah. We were, I mean, that is a hilarious route to fame, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but that's basically marketing money, isn't it? Because you have to effectively pay yourself that now, minus Kickstarter's fees. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the fees, I think, are 10%. But yeah, yeah. Ap approximately. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that expensive. Then. No, for good marketing, it's pretty cheap. But um, yeah, we were also noticing um, that games with a very low pledge you might have heard me saying uh, yeah there's a correlation between having a lower target pledge and success you know getting funded yeah um but i would not really go for an extremely low pledge there's a few reasons behind that for example if you just want to raise a hundred dollars to um pay for some facebook ads or twitter ads um, I don't think you'll be inclined or your time won't be that well spent crafting a really good Kickstarter page. Your crowdfunding page just might, I, I don't know. I personally wouldn't have much motivation if I knew it was only raising $100. Frankly, why not just go work at your local supermarket for 10 hours and just raise yeah. that money yourself? So there's, there's just a practical reason. But um, the second reason I think is if that target pledge amount is that low i think it implies that your game is just not that ambitious and it's not going to mm -hmm. be a particularly noteworthy game unfortunately now there's plenty of games that have been made with basically no budget that have been very good but i i still think um be careful with those really really low target pledges you may make your product look very unvaluable yeah that's a good point. What would you say, like, out of a gut feeling would be a good value? My my personal gut feeling would say 3,000 US dollar probably. Yeah. It would be a good amount to start. So I'm looking at the mobile games that are currently live on Kickstarter. So the month is February. It's 2020. Uh, it's the 15th of February, to be precise. Um, there's only two mobile games that are doing particularly well. There's 16 live crowdfunders. There's two doing well, one of which has raised $3,948. The other has raised, and it's in Hong Kong dollars, so I'm not that good at currency conversion. Let's just find out how many uh, US dollars I think there's 3,500 uh, euros. Yeah, so I, I guess like <laughs> 3,800 US dollars, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. Which does corroborate your figure about three thousand dollars seems quite a good amount uh, in the case of this game in hong kong dollars which is called jtsc journey to the sweet challenge um i think three thousand uh well three thousand pounds sterling approximately was their pledge i think it was about thirty thousand hong kong dollars so uh like three thousand four hundred dollars or somewhere on there and for the other game they haven't actually uh, which is called Enter the Reveries Part 2. Um, they haven't mm -hmm. actually reached their full goal, which is, this one's in pounds sterling, it seems, five, uh, 4,598 pounds sterling. Um, mm -hmm. So they're, they're a good way there, and I think they'll get it because there's 19 days to go. Um, but their pledge is more like 5,000 
uh, no, probably more like $5,500. Now, on the other hand, I'm looking at some other games that have goals of like 40,000 and so on. And frankly, it's very demoralizing to see that this game has been pledged like $10 out of those $40,000. I think the assumption when you look at that is it's it's not going to get funded. Yes, yes, that's a good um, point. And what I also want to say additionally to what you said earlier is... Um, that I think there needs to be uh, an awareness that creating this crowdfunding campaign also involves spending money in a way, like spending time on creating the crowdfunding campaign, eventually spending money on creating the trailer for your campaign if you want to have it look a little more um, professional. And that that indeed, if it's such a small amount, like 100 dollar or euro or whatnot then you need to look from the perspective of someone who wants to pledge for you why should i pledge to something that seems so easily to get um that that doesn't make any sense yes. <laughs> in a way there are scams and scams are more likely to be pledging just very low amounts because they're more likely to get that funding but also they're going to be less accountable you know for a game that had a, a million pound pledge, got its funding and then disappeared, legal action will be taken or mm, probably mm. legal action will be taken. There's a few cases where there, there have been threats or actual lawsuits because uh, what was promised didn't happen. But if it's a hundred dollars, I mean, <laughs> here, like an hour of a lawyer's time probably costs about 200 pounds. So um, they they probably get away with it. And I think mm. it makes you look less accountable for that product. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, the same logic, by the way, does apply to Indiegogo. Um, I would just say whatever your pledge for Kickstarter, make it a little bit higher on Indiegogo because I think of Indiegogo the value has, thing. Uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt. I think uh, Indiegogo has a minimum um, of $500. Yeah, yeah they do. Um so I don't know if Kickstarter has that, but Indiegogo does have it. Regardless, I, yeah, personally, my gut says don't go below that amount, regardless on Kickstarter. Um, you look like a scam, you look unprofessional, your game looks like it's not very valuable. It raises the question, why hasn't this person just raised the money, uh, him or herself? Uh, you know, all sorts of things. And you don't really want your game to be associated with such a price tag. Well, I think if you go for example for GoFundMe, then such a price would at least make more sense yeah. if, if you really can explain why. And um, I think there are some games that go the route of uh, two hundred dollars to in to in um, not Indiegogo to GoFundMe, and then from GoFundMe to Indiegogo, and then further, because like part of it is also kind of to maybe even invest into marketing or just get some eyes on your project and maybe not all that much about the money again. Yeah, that that is a good point that you maybe if you if you want to be taken more seriously maybe don't go to Indigo uh, not to go fund me. There. There we go. Go fund me. <laughs> um that's a good um, point because GoFundMe has it's got a lot more charitable product projects on it. Um 
I mean, personally, I've seen a lot of friends use GoFundMe for like marathon runs and that sort of thing. So I think if it were a lower amount, actually, that website checks out in my head for like if it's a passion project or something small that you're not really going to monetize or whatever. Maybe actually GoFundMe is the best place to just go and ask friends and family. uh, Can I just have a, a little bit of money to buy those assets that I wanted? Uh, maybe like a piece of software that you wanted and spent a hundred pounds on marketing, you know. I think that's also um, a good point as to what types of games seem to go well on what types of platforms, because what I saw on GoFundMe is that educational games seem to work. Uh, One game was about preservation of ducks, I think, or just animal life. And that um, seemed to go really well there. And for Indiegogo, for example, I felt um, maybe games that were not so much geared towards, you know, like hardcore or very invested gamers, but more casual audiences that maybe occasionally play games, but not really all that much or are not that invested into the whole gaming scene. And Kickstarter, I think, has like a very broad gaming community where you can reach a lot of different types of game enthusiasts. Yeah, so that's that's what we think about the funding amount. Um, no matter, I think, no matter what game you're making, provided that you can justifiably account for those, let's say, a minimum of 1,000 possibly, unless your product's quite ambitious or it has some very good interest, possibly upper limit of 5,000. Um, unless you just can't account for where that money would go, I would make that a target pledge. So if you literally can't think of how you'd spend more than $500, then don't ask for that extra money because you are accountable mm-hmm. for, where it's, uh, for where it's spent. Um, but yeah, if you can think, yes, there are ways I could use that money then go for it. Also bear in mind, if your target pledge is met, uh, that then takes you into the territory of stretch goals for Kickstarter. And hmm. that is something useful to plan out in advance. So let's say for Legion's Masters, we decide to go for that $3,000 um, target pledge. Well, it's great if we earn more than that. But again, people want to know where the money goes. We will already have shown in detail where those $3,000 will go, we now need to offer something more, to be honest. Uh, we need to say, okay, we raised the funds. They're still going to the same place. Where are these, uh, well, where is this stretch goal money coming? It's quite popular to offer voice acting as a stretch goal. Um, quite popular to offer more soundtrack. I've seen that a few times. Actually, soundtracks are quite cheap, so I've never quite understood it, but it's a popular thing to offer. Um, It's popular to offer more in-game areas, so that's more development. With the topic of stretch goals, I really want to talk about more of a strategy approach to stretch goals, because um, what a lot of Kickstarter campaigns do is obviously you research them afterwards and then you see all the stretch goals already revealed. But um, from... um, Uh, standpoint of what it does when you see as a backer all the stretch goals already there um, that it, that you notice oh okay this is not done um, 
being finished at 3,000, it's actually 20,000 or something. Yeah, it implies but it's not I a think, complete yeah. game at the target pledge. Yes, exactly. So you only want to announce your stretch goals as something additional, like, hey, uh, during the campaign, you know, to say we've gotten more backers than we thought, uh, you can pledge more, we got more stretch goals now, but you don't want to put these stretch goals right from the beginning it's something you want to bring as updates and that i found like a really important point um just to not have this looming thing sitting there of hey we actually want more money but we didn't really want to go for that big commitment so yeah you can plan out stretch goals and you you should think about it first but you should not announce them right away i think that's Thank you for listening this far. We found that our podcast discussion of crowdfunding was getting quite long, so I've split it into two halves. In the second half, you will hear us talk more about basically the specifics of writing your crowdfunding campaign, the video, reward tiers, and so on. Um, We'll upload them at the same time. You'll just be able to find the next podcast straight away if you like. Otherwise, I hope you'll be able to join Jacqueline Martin and me, Edwin Dyser, soon. Oh.